Welcome to Season 3 of Voices of Value, where Rick Rushton and Peter Kakos continue their conversations with high-achieving guests who share their personal stories and, more importantly, the lessons they've learned from their journey. Whether it's Olympians sharing the roadmap that took them to a gold medal, professional sports people taking you inside their mindset, business leaders revealing their success strategies, or everyday people sharing life hacks, you can be sure you'll find value simply by joining the discussion with your hosts, Peter and Rick. Voices of Value, Rick Rushton here with my good friend Peter Kakos on a very important topic, Pete, for what will be a great episode. And we've got a very special guest, someone who we had in season two, is joining us back again in season three to have a really compelling discussion about the mental health issue that we have right across the country. And I think it's fair to say that we've always been big on providing a great space for that narrative to continue in a really positive way. And we can't think of anyone better to bring back to the microphone in this space than someone who is known for his mental health advocacy, someone who is educating corporations both here within Australia, right across the globe, and is doing it in you know one-on-one space to multiple audience spaces as well. He is someone who we really value here. It's with great joy that we welcome back to the microphone for this particular season three, Nick Brax. Nick, thank you so much, mate, for making yourself available during what is a very busy time for you. No, thanks for having me back. And yeah, I enjoyed chatting to you guys last time and love what you're doing. And um, yeah, appreciate you uh, asking me to come and have this conversation. Thanks, Nick. It's a, it is an absolute pleasure to have you back to talk about what is often a, a really heavy subject. And I don't know, the stuff I've watched of yours and listened to of yours, I've just really resonated with the way you, you, you get your point across and your understanding of the topic. So I think the viewers, um, listeners and viewers will get a great deal out of today's chat. Um, first of all, let, let's, let's have a look at some of the observations. We're in, um, particularly in certain parts of Australia and, 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 and many parts of the world as well, there's, there's a little thing called lockdown um, where people are, uh, some people are finding it incredibly hard to deal with and it's, been, um, it's quite, quite confronting um, in certain circles and so forth. So from your observations and, and, and what you're hearing, seeing and what people are coming to you for at the moment, can you talk to us a little bit about, uh, I guess, what people are going through in times like this? Yeah, I mean, obviously, I think we all know how difficult it is for everyone across the board. Um, in Melbourne at the moment, it's pretty intense with the lockdowns and how long we've been locked away. And um, I think the main thing is people are starting to, to find it difficult with that sort of lack of certainty long term. Um, I think at the beginning uh, when, you know, even though it was a confronting thing and it was pretty intense what we all had to do, people thought, okay, but if I do this for a period, then, you know, there's this end goal. It's going to get better pretty soon. Um, Now it's sort of, it's ongoing and we don't know, you know, maybe there'll be a vaccine soon, maybe it'll be better maybe there'll be an end to this by mid next year or the end of next year or who knows. So I think that's the next part where people um, need to learn to just, how do I find and navigate um, a quality of life with all of the uncertainty and without knowing, you know, when, when there's going to be an end point. And I think that's a lesson that, um, you know, is so important to learn COVID or not COVID because that's life. You know, if we don't, didn't have COVID, there's uncertainty. We can't control much. And um, I mean, what I hope happens is it 
is such through you know such a intense experience people are forced to then look at themselves look at these uh behavior patterns that aren't conducive to positive results and, and change them and um if you can change them and adapt and you know make the most of a situation like this then you're developing skills that when this finishes you're going to be so well placed for whatever life throws at you and um i think there'll be a portion of people that that happens for but then there will be also probably be a portion that suffer through it and try and avoid and um you know don't make that change so i i mean i, I think it's it's varied but my yeah i hope that people are able to you know really try and use the time to make those changes and you know having this chance to talk to you guys and um get this message out to your audience and i think i think as many um if we could all be trying to get these messages out there to, you know it's such an important thing to try and just educate people about about what what we can do and we really should make sure that if anyone is watching or listening at the moment and you are struggling with your mental health or you know someone who is, that a great resource is Lifeline 13 11 14. That's 131114 13 11 14. Make sure that you take advantage of that service. And Lifeline, I think, during this period of the pandemic, have also added an SMS situation because their own sort of algorithms and mental tracking of this thing has found that most people feel more comfortable maybe not having a conversation until they've at least broken through with a text message late at night. And so, yeah, there are some great resources there. If someone could actually suggest that they're not going so well with their emotional well-being, they are struggling with the terminology of isolation, which, you know, they feel like is, is their natural day anyway. Uh, mm-hmm. And they had the opportunity to pick up the phone and speak to you. Take us through some of the, the strategies, if you will, that you might sort of suggest to somebody. And I guess it's case by case and individual by individual, mm-hmm. but having the benefit of, a, dealing with it yourself personally and like all great leaders and all great coaches, you're someone who's taking people through a journey that you actually have been through as opposed to being a travel agent, you're a tour guide, you've, you've actually been through it, found light at the end of the darkness. What would you be sort of suggesting would be some great strategies that people could be using to help them with their emotional well-being in these challenging times? Yeah, and first of all, you know, I'm not, I'm not a psychologist. I'm not um, a, you know... A, a quali- I don't have a qualification in this area. And if someone is suffering, like you said, lifeline, I, uh, you know, the one thing I always say is the one thing you shouldn't do is do nothing. So um, if you don't know where to go, literally just go onto Google, type in free mental health helpline and things will come up and you, you can get help. But um, yeah, speaking from my experience and, you know, I think in simple terms, the thing that I think is most important would be routine and daily habits. And I say all the time, this stuff sounds com- common sense. It sounds simple it's logical and it's because it is, but we neglect these things because we get overwhelmed and things come up. And um, I think if we don't have that routine and identify things that uh, help us on a daily basis, we can easily fall, you know, prey to all of the other um, difficulties of that, that are happening. So I'd say um, make sure that, you know, you're getting up at a similar time, going to bed at a similar time, um, really being specific about when you do and don't work identify what are things that make me feel good. For me, it's exercise, meditation, um, talking to friends, find those things, um, but don't just find and identify them. Don't just do them when you're feeling bad. Find how can I, um, you know, on a, in a sustainable way, do this stuff daily. And, uh, you know, around my routine, it's different for everyone. It might be maybe just going for even a 15-minute walk every day. Whatever it is, you know, it can be different for everyone. But 
really identify and, and make sure you do those things. And then the other part that I'd say that I think is critical, um, again, COVID or not COVID, but critical right now is being disciplined and controlling, you know, what you consume, what content you consume, because um, we've got 24 seven access to just everything, you know, fake news, real news, um, stuff that aggravates us, stuff that there's just stuff everywhere and it's addictive. And if you don't control it, if you don't make, you know, really be aware of it and be disciplined with it, uh, we, we get caught in that vortex um, and it's incredibly unhealthy. So I'd say be really, really rigid about trying to manage that. And that's, that's probably one of the hardest things. I mean, I struggle still with it. Um, I'm aware of it. I'm advocating for it, but I get caught, you know, when I'm like stressed, I'll be on Instagram, you're scrolling through. I'm like, what the hell am I doing? I'm looking at all this crap that is not <laughs> having any positive outcome on anything. I'm like, but then you keep doing it. Cause it's like, just, it's, you know, turning your mind off. So find a more, um, you know, positive way to turn your mind off. It's yeah, a bit like if you, um, if you don't want to slip over, don't hang out in slippery spots, really, isn't it? And I think that's why exactly, uh, I mean, yeah. I've, I've got a lot of um, um, real positiveness from, from just deleting some of the apps on your phone for a period of time. I know if I told people to delete their Facebook or Insta or LinkedIn, whatever, I think they'd freak out if it was for any extended period of time. But even just a, um, even just a, a weekend or, or two or three days in a row of just doing it and then... And then I love what you're saying. Just just monitor what what makes you feel good. Yeah, hundred percent. I, I don't know if you guys saw the um, social dilemma documentary. I watched it. Um, yes. To, I, I felt sick after watching that. It's um. I mean, I think anyone listening to this should watch it because it's pretty compelling. It's not it's not the most uplifting thing, but it is. You know, it, it, it. I think there can be positives that come out of that, and we need to be changing these things. But you know, they're talking in that about um, like what you just said there with. Um, with social media, with using these things, looking at it like junk food. If we're going to just load our, you know, pantry with crap um, and stay in the house all day, we're probably going to end up eating it. So we've got to limit what we're exposed to. And this, so it's the exact same thing. It's, you know, junk food for your mind. So um, we need to really um, on a very, very conscious level, understand that because, you know, the, we don't at the moment, we, we just accept it as part of the norm and, you know, this must be fine to do because everyone does it. Nick, most of the people who will be watching this or listening to this are very much similar-minded people. That's how they found this podcast. And they're people that are genuinely good intent, great, great uh, ideas at wanting to sort of advance themselves and others. The number one feedback I get in this area when we interviewed you last year and Wayne Schwass as well, and, and just speaking with Schwada earlier uh, this month, he was talking about the fact that one of the things he had to do was take himself off Instagram because he had something like 24,000 followers, but he was just finding that it was just not serving him to either be on it or to watch and view what's on it. The people that give me the overwhelming feedback say this, I actually didn't realise that someone who I loved knew or was in my network was actually struggling with mental health. They didn't show me any signs and I didn't know. And to some people, they, when they find out they're a little bit shocked and they don't know how to respond, they actually just say, I just don't even know how to have a conversation with these people. And I, like you, say straight away, well, look, I'm not a psychologist, but I think mm. you've got to have the narrative, you've got to have the talk, you've got to have the discussion and let them know that you don't have all the answers, but you are prepared to listen. And sometimes listening is just the best thing we could do. What would you say to somebody who says, I've got a good heart, good intent, didn't realise, don't have a, an understanding of it, haven't gone through it myself, but 
I do care for this person, so I want to engage with them. How would you say that they should best approach that, knowing that they've got some hesitancy uh, on their own part of doing that? Um, yeah, similar to what you said, I think just being, just listening, you know, being a good listener, letting people know that you're there to, to you're there for them and you, you, you're there to listen and they can talk to you about anything. And I guess always cultivating, you know, that environment in, you know, whether you are trying to help someone or not, just trying to be a leader in that sense of, I'm going to show that, you know, if I'm having a problem, I'm going to vocalize it and it's okay to do that. And it, there's nothing, you know, normalizing that. And then when you are dealing with a friend who is having a, having an issue, letting them know I'm here, you know, listen to them. I, I not being forceful. If you try and push someone to do something and say, you have to do this, this is, you know, it'll actually have an adverse reaction or normally will, and they'll, they'll, you know, retract it. So it's sort of um, understanding that you can't make anyone do anything, but letting them know you're there for them. Um, and just, yeah, helping them understand that, you know, they're not going to be judged. It's okay. It's like, it's like really saying, you know, um, I, I broke my arm. I need to go to the doc, to the hospital, get it put in plaster. Um, I'm not going to be uncomfortable telling someone about that or asking for help with that or telling people what happened. But um, if I've got a problem in my mind and I need to go and talk to someone, if I need to talk to a psychologist, if I need to get help, it's no different. It's part of the human experience that we're going to have these things happen. I think that's the difference though, isn't it? That Pete, that, you know, if, if I did see you with your arm in a plaster cast, I'm going to go, Oh mate, did you broke your arm. You're okay. Is everything all right? I'd have the discussion with you as natural as that, but you don't come and see me with a plaster cast between your left and right ear, because that's just something that we tend to hide. Cause there's a, I don't know if stigma is the right word, Pete, but I think there's a bit of a, a negativity attached to putting up your hand as a male specifically, uh, someone who identifies themselves with being a successful male and, you know, having all the answers to being sort of, I don't have all the answers and I'm finding myself in a bad space. I, I, I'm, I'm struggling with the concept. And so it's just a real interesting way to hear Nick sort of phrase it that way about the, the plaster cast. It's a bit of a telltale, but it, it's so simple that if you did see someone with a broken arm, Arm, you'd say, oh, you broke your arm. I'm talking to you about it. You wouldn't judge them on it. You wouldn't say, what the hell were you doing there? You just have the discussion, wouldn't you? I think there. I think there. I think it's true what you said about stigma. I think there absolutely is a stigma, and it's amazing how prevalent and uh, it is in society, and how how well known it is, and, and it actually is spoken about a lot. But I'm, I'm just finding that there's that we're probably not getting the necessary cut through we need to, and and. I don't know what it is, Nick, and I'd love you to speak to this, but um, but I think that there's awareness. I think people are having more conversations about it, mm-hmm. but I still can't see it, um, it getting the attention that it actually needs and deserves and the conversations that really need to happen. So whether they're the, the quality of conversations, whether they're just, you know what, um, just... You know, I'll ask. I've asked the question now. Okay, I'll quickly move on. I, you know, I don't really want to listen to the answer. But I've got. It's a bit like that. Are you okay, day? You know, are you okay? Yeah, I'm good. Okay, great. As opposed to, you know, are you okay? Look, talk to me about. You know, what what are some of the the feelings that you're actually going through during these times? And 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 COVID lockdown times have have been confronting. And gee, a lot of people are finding a lot of things about themselves. And and you know what? Some of them aren't all great. And that's and that's okay. You know, because these are very different times that we're in. And these are times that we're, you know, that most haven't dealt with before. 
Um, so the concerning thing are for those who are, and, and, and my big thing with the government is what about these people that live alone? What about these people that, you know, connections are so important? Like you said before, and we've spoken about it time and time again, it's amazing how you feel when you get something off your chest. It's amazing how you feel when you have a real conversation with someone. Grab a cup of tea, grab a cup of coffee, and you sit down and have a chat. That's when most people feel at their best. So though that's why it's really important. But, but again, I'd love you to just sort of speak to... Do you think, I mean, am I off on a tangent here? Do you think that there is actually some, a real rate of knots in, in terms of this awareness and, and, and overcoming? Or do you think that at the moment it's just, does it sort of sometimes feel like we're, we're going a little bit around in circles? Uh, yeah, I think you're definitely not on a tangent. I think um, it is amazing that there's more awareness about it. And, you know, in the last 10 years, it's become more and more. Um, I completely agree. You know, things like are you okay day, it's like good initiative and great that people get on board and for that day, you know, us, but that's, you know, again, just, it's really at the core of it. It's just raising a bit of awareness. So people are, know this exists, but really for these proper changes to happen, it's, it's a cultural shift. And I think, you know, the government play a huge part in not doing enough about it. You know, a lot of it's platitudes. It's saying, yep, we acknowledge it. Let's chuck some money at this thing. Let's do that. Yep. That ticks that box. It's not as simple as that. It's not just about money. It's like, we're not taught, which I think, I think it's insanity that it's not embedded in, you know, the educational curriculum that in primary school, high school, university organizations, we're not taught about emotional wellbeing. We're not actually taught how to um, have self-awareness, how to have self-love, how to understand ourselves, how to communicate, how to um, have healthy relationships, um, how to self-care, all these essential things that I, I think they're, you know, it's the number one life skill that everyone needs. And the only way we've really been able to learn this is through trial and error, error or through severe suffering to the point where you're in so much pain and you, if you don't make a change, something really bad's going to happen. So it needs at a very core level to change. And I think that's a long, long way off. And I mean, even seeing at the moment, not that I'm having a go at the government, I mean, there's so many things to deal with, but seeing how it's dealt with, it's sort of, you know, it's this niggling thing on the side that, okay, yeah, great, we'd love to address it more. Um, we'd love to put more resource, do more about it, but we've got too many other things to deal with. So, um, you know, it sort of sits there. Um, I'm not saying I have the solution to that, but I think the long-term solution is preventative and, you know, really it's, it, it, it's not about some awareness and this and that it's about this becomes just part of our culture um, and part of how we're educated. Yeah. Can, I, I, think can I just, can I just say something quickly on that? And, um, and, and this might be quite confronting to make this sort of comment, but I, I think if, if I was the, the premier right now and I locked everyone up and the numbers came down in COVID, um, I think anyone could do that. Um, there's no doubt about it. So what we're looking for is a way out, right, in terms of the government. What we're looking for is a way out. Navigate our way out, with, which minimises the, the hurt of so many people, right? Mm. Because locking people up um, and the numbers go down, well, of course they're going to go down. If no one's seen each other, that's just, you know. Thing. So if we look at um, mental health, it's a bit like sometimes it's like throw a pill at it. Um, throw some prescriptive drugs at it and that's going to, uh, and that's it. But what you're going to do is then just dull society, aren't you? Mm -hmm. So I love talking about these ways you can do it. And obviously there's, there's going to be clinical imbalances and so forth. And, and again, not, not an expert on it, but, but people know what makes them feel good. And by 
talking yep. and doing lifestyle changes, that's going to that's gonna do a very, very, uh, that's going to go a long way in, um, in, I think, in helping things along. Yeah, and oh, I think the other thing there, and I think the other thing there, Nick, is that one of the things that you're big on, I know Wayne Schwoss is big on, I know Pete and I are very big on it, is we have to change the narrative from mental health, which has a stigma, to emotional well-being, which says, well, what does that look like? And I think you touched on a really valid point there, Nick. It is far better that we educate children, produce strong, self-esteemed, understanding, in touch with their emotions, children at the beginning than it is to repair broken adults at the end. And it seems to me like we just get to this end scenario and say, we're going to put people in lockdown. We know that's going to be a challenge. They've actually acknowledged it's going to cause some issues by throwing so much money at this, you know, extra mental health, as they call it, resources going forward. Mm-hmm. Well, doesn't that just kind of confirm what Pete was saying earlier, Nick, about the fact that, yeah, uh, the numbers are coming down because we've locked people down. Well, even a broken clock or a broken watch is right twice a day. It's, it's the, the, pra- the plan was probably broken, but they're getting the outcome that they wanted. But at what cost is that actually happening in the amount of people who are listening to social distancing means something to me, but to someone who's not doing so well with their emotional well-being, they're already struggling and now they're being told they have to even distance themselves further from contact, for goodness sake. The narrative is so poor that we don't allow the environment for people to get sort of uh, A, to put their hand up and B, to get uh, a contact going. And I know one of the things that you're big into is listening without judgment, listening to be there and then offering some sort of resource moving forward. So I think Pete's point is very valid. I think your understanding there about educating, you know, from a young age at school, we get taught so many things, but we don't get taught how to deal with our emotions and emotional intelligence and things of that nature. So I think Pete's point is so, so valid. Ricky, can I, can I just yep. break in there for a second? And just because it's interesting, just looking back at our conversation with Schwatter, and um, and and the terminology used, the mental health versus emotional well-being, and I think linguistically it's amazing how words can have certain meaning. And you know, I just think of growing up, and you think use the word mental health, and you think, oh, you're mental, or you're you know, you know, you're you're loopy, or whatever it may be. I just think growing up, you know, um, in the um, in the eighties, it was there was a very much a stigma. You wouldn't know the eighties, um, Nick, but anyway, they were good times. So, uh, Rick used to have long hair. Um, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> I, but, I actually um, had hair. I had hair, not had long hair. hair. <laughs> but um, but the stigma, and that's where instantly you say mental health, and you inst- I don't know about what what the listeners feel, or if you hear that word mental health. But if you hear the word emotional well-being, maybe linguistically that's, that's where we need to move it more so because instantly it's a, it's a softer and you look at this well-being and everyone loves the well-being, everyone loves, you know, the retreats and so forth and got to go and work on my well-being and the health and all that sort of stuff. Maybe, maybe linguistically that's, that's where we might have it wrong with this whole mental health um, sort of stigma and, and, and words that are put around it. Yeah, I think that's a big part. I think, yeah, definitely. I think the words that are put around it, I think, um, you know, I was thinking when you were talking before as well about, um, you know, people that are suffering during this period. Um, another thing that I think is really bad is like people that are already prone to a mental health issue that are suffering. Um, and then when you do speak up about it, often what the narrative can be now is, oh yeah, but we're all struggling, you know, just you got to suck it up and get through this. And it's like, no, this person needs help. They 
but then, so then they start feeling guilty. Oh, I shouldn't speak up because everyone's suffering. So I'm, you know, I'm just, that's, that's really selfish of me to be suffering while we've got to do this thing for the greater good. And it's like, again, comes down to that balance of how do we find the middle ground where we can properly support these people. But I still think, yeah, the big thing really is um, it's a cultural thing and it's, um, you know, you can't just keep throwing money at stuff and hope, you know, you've got to have reactive services, of course, but we, you know, I think if we had society developed to a point where you were internally able to feed yourself rather than needing stuff externally all the time, um, you know, you can then, you're equipped to handle anything. It might not be ideal. I know for me, and I'm not, I'm definitely got a long way to go in my own, you know, personal growth, but I've worked on myself a lot and I've got things that, you know, the, the core things that drive me is stuff that I can feed myself. I don't need permission. I don't need external validation for it. I don't need, you know, I'm, I can do it daily just from anywhere. So then it's not ideal being locked away, but you can feed yourself that. And if everyone had done that kind of work, then we can deal with the pandemic a lot better because we're not going to be desperately needing all of the you know um, stimulus that we get from constantly going out, seeing friends, you know, drinking, getting reward for whatever our job is, you know, just this never ending thing of needing to distract ourselves. Um, and it again goes back to that education and, you know, not, I, I feel like, in, you know, there's this black and white thing that we just label everyone as this or that and don't have an understanding of um, maybe someone's behaving in that way because all of these other things happen and fundamentally everyone is, you know, almost everyone has good intentions and are good at, at heart, but, people can act out because they're in pain and things have happened. And anyway, it's like probably have to do another episode on talking about all those things. <laughs> but I think, yeah, but I think what you're saying there, Nick is, you know, mental health is not a nail and the solution isn't a hammer and you just bang away. It's got to be more strategic than that. It's got to be more nuanced than just, you know, we'll throw some money at it and make it look like we're doing something about it without really doing much at all about it. If we woke up and heard overnight that eight people had lost their lives on, you know, on the roads, we'd be all in an uproar. Yet we never hear, and, you know, I hear every day the COVID numbers, stats, and, and you know, I've detuned from it because I just don't want to hear it anymore. And I don't want to hear a Premier say best wishes go to those families that have just lost loved ones. I mean, for goodness sake. But, you know, imagine if we woke up every day to how many people took their own lives. You know, it's a family that's woken up without a father or a mother or a brother or a sister or an auntie or an uncle or a grandparent. The list goes on. So I think what we need to do is we need to change the narrative. Clearly what you're trying to do is one conversation at a time. You do it through your speaking, which you do in big corporations and, you know, in small organisations as well. You do it uh, on a podcast now, which is just uh, going gangbusters. Where can people sort of access that sort of information from? I know your own site's got some great resources there as well, but uh, maybe give some people who are keen to explore this a little bit further, who do want to know more about how to... To, and they may be struggling with it themselves personally and don't feel yet the, the ability to speak to a stranger, but maybe feel like they've got a, an association with you through this particular podcast today. What are some of the ways that people can interact with you on this very important topic? Um, yeah, probably the easiest way. They can just go to my website, nickbrax.com. Um, on there, we've actually got um, video-based programs. One of them is called Mental Health Masterclass, and you can access that through it. We've also got free content on there. If you sign up to the website, you get sent a whole lot of free PDFs and just, you know, tip sheets and things like that. Um, the main thing I'm pushing at the moment is, um, as you mentioned, uh, a podcast that I launched about two months ago called 
Move Your Mind with Nick Brax. Um, so if you go onto my website or if you go to nickbrax.com slash move your mind, um, it'll come up and we're just interviewing a range of different celebrities and wellness experts, um, doctors to just have really, you know, raw and honest conversations about their personal stories, what they've been through, and then learning from these experts about, you know, how can we learn about different areas such as sleep, um, nutrition, fitness, etc. So, um, yeah, I'd love you guys to check out that, that out. It's completely free and, you know, it's out there to, to listen to. And we'll make sure that those particular links are on this particular uh, interview that we're doing with Nick Brax, our very special guest who has come back on to our podcast just to share some information, some strategies. Again, if you want to refer you back to Nick's um, earlier conversation on this podcast from season two, that was episode 33 that we keep on referencing when we had him on last time. And when you've heard Peter and myself reference Wayne Schwoss, who is a co-founder of Pucker Up, another emotional wellbeing organisation that's doing some amazing work out there. Uh, Schwatter's interview is episode 36. It's one of our, our most compelling, as was Nick's from last season. And, you know, we just think, Pete, don't we, that this is a conversation that needs to be had. There's got to be a space for it to come forward without the stigma, without judgment, without sort of, you know, some pre-frame that's suggesting that uh, we're not doing so well. The most courageous conversation to have is one that says, I'm not doing so well and I need to just talk to somebody about it. I think that's real courage. Real courage is not hiding it from others. Real courage is not trying to deal with it yourself. I don't know a more mentally tougher individual than Wayne Schwass who's played football at the highest level and yet... He, who thought he could do it himself, needed the help of others. And I think it's only when we engage with others and for Nick to have those resources available on his website uh, and as someone who, at the same time, Nick, you were, you were thinking the answer to your challenge was to just train harder and work faster and run harder and all those sorts of things when realistically what you needed was some strategies that can help you get better at what you do and routine sets you free and you shared that with us today. And, Pete, I, I just... Um, I just think we need to almost make Nick a bit of a regular, to be brutally honest, because I just think this is such a, an important topic that ain't going to go away anytime soon. No, it's such a it's such a great idea, and it's a it's a topic that we are certainly not going to shy away from, and haven't shied away from, and we will continue to have and and spread the message because it's people like Nick and Wayne who are doing such incredible jobs, and then many other really great practitioners out there that are doing some incredible stuff. So um, it's a journey that we're all on together. Um, and dare I say that we're all in this together line, but, um, but, but we really are in terms of, um, in terms of this emotional wellbeing and, um, just looking at our, our lifestyle choices and what we do and the conversations that need to happen. I mean, as human beings, connection is so important and, you know, and I think that's what a lot of people have been lacking at the moment. So it's going to be very prevalent right now and the spotlight's well and truly on, on many at the moment and, um, and showing up to sort of the chinks, if you like, in that, in that armor. So, um, yeah, we, we want to be there for those people as well. And, um, and, and hence why someone like a Nick is such a, such a fabulous resource for, um, for so many people. So really appreciate it. Nick, just, uh, just a quick one being, um, and for those who, who know the Brax name and, and certainly part of uh, in the- Oh, hang on. Don't, don't, don't go getting, getting in political now. No, 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 no. Wanna... I, was just, I was just purely going to say it's, it must be, um, and, and, and looking at what your dad went through as a premier and so forth, it must be pretty stressful times in the whole political arena. Um, 
right now and, and you know that's did you want to make any I'd love to sort of get your, your quick view on what it must be like in terms of the um, the whole political arena right now yeah I mean um, I'm actually because I've been living in Vancouver so I've come back and I'm living with mum and dad while I'm back here um, during this period so I've been able to you know spend a lot of time with them and probably the main thing is um, <laughs> it's good probably I think dad's thankful and we're thankful he's not premier during this period. <laughs> it wouldn't, wouldn't be, you know, it's a tough thing. And um, I guess whether, you know, you agree or disagree with what Dan Andrews is doing or any other politician, I mean, it's a pretty full on, um, you know, position to be in and, you know, they need to be looking after their own mental health, these politicians where they're getting drilled 24 seven, you know, it's like they're human. I think people forget that a politician it's just like any of us, they're just doing a job. They don't have all the answers. Um, they're doing their best with the team around them and to their knowledge and for what they think is the right thing to do. But um, we also need to remember they, they're human. You know, these people aren't um, bulletproof. They need to look after themselves. And so it's a tricky, it's a, it's a crazy time, but um, I don't know. I think there's no right or wrong way to deal with this, I guess, because it's never been done and people are learning as they go. And um, yeah, um, I think it's probably a good thing to not be, um, to not have to yeah. be there. Right now. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think the other thing is, and you summed it up really well there, Nick, there's no COVID playbook is there. It's not like any yeah. leader on any organization, whether they be a, a leader of a state, a leader of a country, a leader of an organization or a leader of a family. There's no way they can just pull off, on the bookshelf behind them. Here's the COVID playbook. This is how you go. I think mm. people do the best job they can with the resources that they've got. And I think one of the most important resources we can have at the moment is access to world-class mental health, emotional well-being opportunities like the one we'd like to think we've just brought to you today. Again, we stress if you've got any challenges with your own emotional well-being or someone you know and love, 13 11 14, that's Lifeline, 13 11 14. There is also an SMS option there if uh, people don't feel comfortable to speak to a human being but feel like they could have a conversation. If it starts with your thumbs and fixes up your brain, we'll be very happy with that conversation going that way. But most importantly, uh, Nick has shared a fair whack of his time. He's up at... Uh, ungodly hours because he is still on that sort of the northern hemisphere time frame and i know he's been up sometimes at 2 33 a.m in the morning doing what he's doing um i'm not going to ask you how the latest auditions have been going or anything like that mate because i don't want to sort of uh put you under the pump in that respect but nick brax is somebody who i'm sure if you researched his particular life journey you'll hear here and see here this is an individual that has you know gone through his own challenge still like all of us still finding the best version of himself through it he shared with us today that routine sets him free he sets up what fills up his cup and he pours it daily he understands what's required to keep him balanced and keep him going but i think most importantly one of the things i know from personal experience and and have uh, seen in all of his other work he is very 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 passionate about other people and helping other people find a better version of themselves my message to all leaders watching this is to really check in with your people go past the program answers you know not how you're doing and then leave it at that and as pete said later just move on no no how are you really doing 
just to make sure that if there is a chance for you to just listen without judgment, if there is a chance for you to add to their self-esteem and add to their positive expectancy about going forward and offer hope, that's a conversation that's compelling. It's a conversation that's courageous. It's a conversation we need to have. And, you know, we're not trying to change the world uh, with this podcast. We're just trying to change the worlds of those that are actually watching and, and listening and being a part of it. And if we can do that one conversation at a time, then, Peter, I think we've done well. I'll leave you to wrap up and thank our guest as we, uh, have, as we have taken up so much of his time right now. Oh, Nick, it's been, a, it's been a wonderful conversation to have on such a confronting topic for so many. And just to hear your thoughts and to share, you know, some of your experience and so forth, it's, uh, it's an absolute pleasure to, uh, to speak to you. And, and again, thank you for giving up, the, um, giving up the, your time to, to share those thoughts and, uh, and directions with our listeners and, uh, and viewers as well. So from us here at Voices of Value, all the best with your new podcast. Um, hopefully you'll get a few more listeners that'll um, bounce from here to there and uh, and uh, and no doubt mate with with the sort of work that you're doing and the sort of person you are um, there's only further great things ahead for you there's no doubt about that no thank you for having me back on I've really enjoyed chatting with you guys again and love what you're both doing with this and all the other you know work um, so yeah thank you and um, hope to come on again at some point in the future Oh, we're going to make you a regular, my friend, especially if Collingwood <laughs> salutes later in the uh, year, as we all hope. But don't worry about who Pete Barry will have been asking. We all hope, we? Okay. Yeah, well, that's look, true. Look, you, looking a bit better for Geelong um, than Collingwood, mate. <laughs> <laughs> At the moment. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Miss this okay. banter. I've missed this banter. Yeah. Home and away and finals. I think you've got to actually draw the distinction, Nick. There's no point being sort of at the top of the table or thereabouts during the... Uh, you need to be there at the pointy end, is all I'm going to say. And you've got to time your run, Pete. You've got to time your run. Right. But in all seriousness, again, we want to thank Nick Brax, our very special guest. We want you to make sure that you do check out his resources on his website, nickbrax.com. We'll have the links, as I say. Again, we want to make sure that if this is a value-added conversation for you, that you add value to your friends, your networks, and make sure you share it with them. This has been Rick Rushton with our very, very special guest, Nick Brax, and my good mate, Peter Kakos, saying thank you again for listening and watching. We look forward to continuing the conversation on our next episode. We trust you enjoyed this episode of Voices of Value, a shared conversation between Rick Rushton and Peter Kakos and their valued guests. Their views are not necessarily those of the wider world, but they should be. You can subscribe through your favorite podcast provider to ensure you never miss an episode. And as always, we welcome your feedback, ratings and reviews of the content we provide. Additional information can be sourced from our website, voicesofvaluepodcast.com. We look forward to you joining the conversation again next week when Rick and Peter continue the search for truth, justice and the value-added way. 